the main thing that students are worry about is just where we're going next. So what the fall looks like, Mm -hmm. how we will be able to go back safely, what the plans are. Somehow we have made it through an entire year of school during COVID. And the difficult thing is we don't have many answers about that right now. Right. Um, So I think that's that fear, that not knowing is the only thing that I would say people have in common right now. Today, I am talking with Editor-in-Chief Kate Cordy just to wrap up the full year, take a look at what UVic has done with COVID, and what the school might look like going forward, as well as some plans for the newspaper next year. Hey, I'm Laura Smith, and thanks for tuning in to the final episode of the Martlet Pod for the semester. The Martlet Pod is produced in the studios of CFUV here on the traditional territory of the Lekwungen and Wissandich people in Victoria, BC. On this episode, we're talking about why Spokes, the bike upcycling and loan center here at campus, remains closed up despite having an approved WorkSafe plan since September. Four UVic students are putting their proposal to change a Victoria Street name up to City Council. And after numerous allegations and an ongoing lawsuit, UVic's women's rowing coach, Barney Williams, has resigned in a mutual agreement with UVic. So yeah, thanks for joining me again on the podcast. Uh, Maybe you can just give a quick introduction. I know you've been on once or twice already, but just in case people don't know who you are. Yeah, my name's Kate. I am the editor-in-chief here at The Martlet. Awesome. So... Today, as we're kind of wrapping up this year, which is wild that we're already somehow here, um, you've done a COVID or a feature on COVID over the last year. Um, maybe just to start off, we could kind of talk about, like, a lot of your feature was talking to different students and how they felt about UVic's response. Was there any kind of general consensus on how people felt that UVic handled the pandemic this year, or were people very different that you talked to? Yeah, so I talked to about five students just about their experiences, and Mm -hmm. honestly, there wasn't really a consensus. I think that everyone's experiences this year were so different. Um, One student that I spoke to said that they thought online classes gave them more opportunities Mm -hmm. to meet people because they were able to do so in online communities, and everyone was kind of looking for friends and so hungry for connection. Um, Whereas other students I talked to said it was, isolating and they had trouble making friends in their classes and like couldn't wait until they could get out and actually do things more so yeah I think everyone's experience has been really different but I think the main thing that students are worry about is just where we're going next so what the fall looks like Mm -hmm. how we will be able to go back safely what the plans are and the difficult thing is we don't have many answers about that right now right um so I think that's that fear, that not knowing is the only thing that I would say people have in common right now. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and like you've talked to you, Vic, about this and they they haven't said too much about they've kind of just said that there's going to be full return, but not what details there are with that. Yeah, totally. Um, we are we as in the Martlet mm-hmm. <laughs> is expecting to report on a full return in the fall. Um, and it looks like BC's vaccination plans are going to have everyone get their first dose by July. So 
with that in mind, it does look like we are heading that way. <laughs> However, yeah, we have little to no information about what that actually looks like in terms of our campus and our lecture halls and stuff like that. Um, the other tidbit that UVic did tell me was like around online classes, because one of the main questions that we were wondering is like, will there continue to be online classes mm-hmm. after this? And they said that although UVic will continue to be a predominantly face-to-face institution, they have made investments in online learning technology. Mm-hmm. And also professors are now all trained in how to teach online right. by practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they said that they are looking to do more hybrid styles in the mm-hmm. future, which is something I'm keen to keep an eye on. Yeah, they'll be interesting to see what yeah. that all ends up looking like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think... Another thing I know I've seen from some of the Martlet, what they've produced, is that students have been kind of worried about the lack of transparency when it comes to UVic and COVID. Could you talk on that a little bit? Yeah. One of our, like, top articles from this past past month was just talking about how students really got frustrated about the university's response to uh, possible exposure at the Sir Arthur Curry residences. And they basically just lit up an Instagram post and just like (laughs) filled its comments with stuff about why aren't you making a public statement? It's not fair to students. How can we trust Mm -hmm. the university when we don't know what's going on at the university? Right. Um, And part of that frustration is coming from UVic's policies and UVic's refusal to release information about COVID cases publicly. So... When it came to the Sir Arthur Curry exposure, when it came to the School of Music exposure that followed that one a few weeks later, um, in both of those cases, the Martlet was leaked that information. It wasn't that UVic released it. Right. Because they maintain that it's a privacy concern. And also they feel that if students think that their positive case will get reported publicly, they think that that will discourage people from getting tested. Interesting. Um, so that's their perspective on it. Right. But yeah, it's definitely tangible from that Instagram post, um, just that mm-hmm. students aren't loving the lack of information around this kind of thing. And yeah. also the popularity of that article. Right. Yeah. yeah. Do we know like how many exposures or cases happened on campus over the last year at all? Or is it just kind of looking the few kind of exposure news articles we've seen. Yeah, I straight up asked you, Vic, <laughs> I was like, how many COVID-19 cases have there been among students, staff, and professors? Right. And they said, first of all, they're not alerted of all cases, which, you know, makes sense. Yes. If someone has a case mm-hmm. and they're, you know, just a student, they might not tell you, Vic, if they're just studying online at home. Yeah. Um, but they won't reveal any data around how many exposures there's been on campus, how many, for example, confirmed cases there's been on residents. We don't know any of that. Um, We do know through Island Health Mm -hmm. um, that there was exposures on March 12th. That's March 12th, 2020. Right. um, On campus in three classes before the university fully shut down on March 13th. Um, And then we also know about those two exposures that I already talked about. Mm -hmm. We don't know how many people were exposed or isolating in those exposures. We don't know how many like positive cases there were, anything like that. Um, Hmm. But yeah. Yeah, that makes sense why a lot of students are feeling kind of frustrated with 
not completely knowing, especially as we start to move towards potential in-person classes. I think that's the big question, too, is like going back in the fall, are we going to not know? (laughs) Is that still going to be the case? And how is UVic going to... Because if you think about it, in any given day, like... I can remember the amount of steps I walked at UVic. Like, you are passing so many people. You're crossing so many different ways. Like, it's just, yeah, it's kind of a a recipe for exposure. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, of course, I know the university is planning to find ways to make sure everyone's walking around campus safely. But at the same time, I think that's where students are coming from is thinking of, okay, if the quad normally looks like this on, you know, the first week of campus yeah. what does that look like with covid thrown in the mix yeah there's yeah. there's so many uncertainties and i guess like in terms of like what uvic has done so far from back when we first went online all of their decisions have just been are they just kind of informed by like island health and the bc provincial government is that kind of where they're getting their information to making sure that the campus is safe enough Yeah, so Island Health is working closely with UVic, and UVic is also working with other post-secondaries in the province. So through my feature, I learned that UVic actually doesn't have, like, one overarching COVID plan for the whole university. They have 600 safe work plans. So they are all based off of the province's guidelines around post-secondary institutions. So it really is this kind of, like... (laughs) How do I describe it? It's like, yeah, multiple players involved mm. at different steps in the in the process huh. of planning, like how to make campus safe. Right. At least that's the perception I get as like an outsider trying to figure out how they're making campus safe. Yeah. So, yeah. Also, um, like how has UVic done financially as well? Like, of course, like we do have in terms of finances, a bit of a tuition increase coming up. Um, but over the last year, have many like staff members been laid off or professors? Do you have much info on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were definitely a few people laid off uh, or transferred to different like deployments. Mm-hmm. Most of those people were ancillary staff. So that's people involved in like, for example, right now, Biblio is not operating. Right. All those people either laid off or redeployed. Mm-hmm. Um, UVic has said that the majority of those people will be welcomed back when we go into in-person again. Mm-hmm. And some of the redeployments have been to things aligned with the university's COVID response. So like um, having, now they have classroom COVID ambassadors, mm-hmm. or they're just called classroom <laughs> ambassadors, yeah. but they're for like making sure that everyone's yeah. following the COVID precautions in that area. Um so, yeah, basically, they've tried to hire back all, everyone that they can. Um, and then one other thing, going back, this kind of goes back to, like, our conversation on students and such. Um, I know you also talked to a few international students. Um, has there been, have international students had a different opinion on, like, UVic's COVID or, like, different worries about going back in person just because some students went back home and that home might be, you know, a couple countries away. Has there been like a bit of a difference from that, or at least from what you've heard to the students you've talked to? Yeah, the students I talked to that were international students were all students currently at UVic, mm-hmm. as in physically at UVic. Right, right. So they weren't able to speak to like the experience that some international students have had where they're 
like learning online at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. from like Korea or Japan yeah. or India. So I think that experience is very different from the folks that have been here. For sure. Um, one student I talked to spoke about how like that's living on campus spoke about how she wasn't able to celebrate the Iranian New Year with mm-hmm. her family and friends. So I think those um, areas where areas of cultural connection mm-hmm. where having the global community or other international students around can really help people feel at home, even though they're away from home at UVic. Yeah. Having those things gone was something that a lot of students felt um, furthered their feelings of isolation. In terms of the people that are all like outside the country studying mm-hmm. at UVic, I think that speaks to the broader like accessibility of learning question around online yeah. classes because there's international students that have been learning online from outside the country, like I said, and also students with a disability mm-hmm. that have been um, really welcoming the online class aspect because it affords them more um, opportunities to learn. So... I think that that's a big question going forward around what I said mm-hmm. with UVic's planning, how much they're going to be leaning on online classes in the future or hybrid classes, and also what physical classes will actually look yeah. like. So these are questions, but I think that those two specific groups are going to be particularly impacted yeah. going forward. Yeah. And has UVic said anything in terms of accessibility or even just in like them saying they're thinking about accessibility when they're making those plans? Or is it just we're really just waiting for answers still on all fronts? Yeah, I mean, they're happy to acknowledge that they're making those plans. Right. What those plans look like <laughs> and what they look like in practice is not something that they've spoken to yet. I know that the SSD is pushing UVic to do more of more of that work mm-hmm. and provide more certainty to students, especially students that um, not only have a disability, but also students that are immunocompromised. Right. Um, so again, that's something to watch for going forward. Mm-hmm. There's, I'm saying going forward a lot <laughs> and things to watch for going forward, but it really is true that a lot of this stuff is, it's weird because on one hand we have more certainty around it than we have for an entire yeah. year yeah. because we haven't known like, for example, is summer going to be online? Like it was always like asking what's going on next semester. Is it mm-hmm. going to be online or in person? Now we know that the fall is going to be in person. And that's the most certainty <laughs> I've felt in a while. At the same time, there's still a lot of these questions that have arisen from people's experiences with online school. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'd like to echo something that Kane Kilby, who is the associate uh, vice president of human resources at UVic and the co-chair of the COVID transition team. Mm-hmm. And he basically said that in the early days of the pandemic, when he was on that flying team around the emergency of COVID-19 mm-hmm. and what they were going to do, they were looking west or east at the campuses there and watching the cases rise and rise and seeing what was going to come here. And now he said he's looking at Australia and New Zealand and mm-hmm. thinking that's our future. Right. So the fact that our future isn't gloom and doom and that we can look to those other places and, and look at who's being vaccinated and look at weddings and look at people <laughs> dancing together again, it just, it is a source of joy, I think, yeah. that people need to be reminded of. So he said, like, do research into what those countries are doing. I personally have just been watching YouTube videos of people <laughs> in Australia and I'm like, oh, 
they're planning a wedding. Like, how wild is that to wrap your head around? So I think just knowing that that future is out there, which is something that's a direct quote from from this person (laughs) I spoke to. But I think a lot of students are feeling that really, like, isolation and loneliness. I know I am. Yeah. Especially with, like, final exams and the finished, like, finishing the semester. Mm -hmm. It's already so heavy on our mental health. So just... Yeah, I just wanted to emphasize that, like, try to find joy in knowing that vaccines are coming and we're going to be back together soon. Yeah, that's that's such a good point. And yeah, no, I'm I'm right there, like, between exams and just, like, yeah, you know, there's some sunshine now, which is great, um, but definitely feeling some of that isolation. And yeah, it'll be so nice. Like, I'm just craving live music. Like, that will be yeah. so nice to go hear actual music happening in the world. So yeah we'll get there we'll get there one day definitely and i know a common like a newsroom joke this year has been the lecture crush and being like i miss my lecture (laughs) and like we're gonna be back to that like actual campus life and talking to other people that have similar experiences Mm -hmm. in classes and stuff like that so yeah and yeah like, I'm sure, too, for all the, like, first-year students who, like, haven't even been on campus. I know I was joking with some people about how insane the first week's going to be because it's going to be, like, two years of students who have never been onto campus. True. Everyone's going to be lost for the first week. True, yes. Um, but I can only imagine that everyone who hasn't been to campus here is, like, even more excited to get back and to, like, actually experience lectures and, you know, studying way too late in the library. Like, those are things you got to experience at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've been talking a bunch about how wild it is to be a student during COVID, but I'm sure it's been a fun time also trying to, like, run a newspaper during COVID. <laughs> like, of course, this year isn't what you expected in any ways. Um, were there, like, really specific differences, like, doing reporting and doing all of this during a pandemic that you can kind of point to? Yeah, I mean, first off, I'm so thankful for our staff, like yourself included, because everyone has shown me, like, they've just shown me how willing they are to work hard to report on the stories in the community. A lot of the reporting we did this year wasn't necessarily, like, passion project reporting. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the students that were hired on as reporters. They weren't able to just go out and research what they wanted to talk to the profs that they wanted to and report on whatever they had to report on a lot of hard covid related stuff because people were struggling a lot this Mm -hmm. year and the fact that they stepped up to the plate and did that um was a big i guess lesson for me as as someone like leading that team Mm -hmm. um in terms of logistically like just changing the way we report on things I think this year has really shown us how we need to up the ante when it comes to our social media and other ways of reaching out to students that aren't in person. I think for a while, the Martlet has kind of relied on our networks of being being connected on campus yeah. to various people and being able to just walk out into campus and interview people. Um, it's not to say that on-the-ground reporting isn't happening at all. Mm-hmm. It still is for some stories but in general we've had to build our presence online more and I think we've really benefited from that but I think it's also something that I would like to see us do more of 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you think that, like, you dealt with, like, maybe just a different variety of stories, too, just in general, because, like, classes weren't in person and more school things weren't happening? Or was most of that just kind of, like, directed towards, like, all the COVID stuff you're reporting on? Yeah, I mean, I often describe it as, like, reporting on a city that exists in the clouds. (laughs) Like, there's no students anywhere. It's really hard to get a read on how people are feeling or or where your group is at. It's also been impossible to report on student protests because the um, normal sites of protests are now online Zoom meetings that are locked. So there's no avenues for that. Um, In terms of the actual stories we're telling, it has completely changed from being like, here's what's happening on campus. Mm -hmm. Here's this interesting thing that this particular group is doing or whatever too much more deeper stuff about, okay, who is falling through the cracks during this pandemic that yeah. is exasperating so many of our existing social ish and economic issues um, that already mm-hmm. existed before the pandemic. So, yeah, I would say that's kind of guided our reporting. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Were there, I think I asked you this when we kind of wrapped up end of last semester, were there any kind of like standout stories that you were like very (laughs) proud of one of your writers writing or that you really enjoyed writing? Yeah, as much as I would say a lot of the stories are about like COVID and how students have adapted to that, I said to people from the get-go and they resonated with this was like, if we're just reporting how X thing is doing amid COVID, Mm -hmm that's not a good enough story. Like yeah. that's that's where a lot of stories were coming from in the beginning of the pandemic, especially. But it really doesn't go deep enough. Mm-hmm. And I think the reporters really brought that to the table this year too. So mm-hmm. for example, Kylie wrote a story in this issue about spokes and yeah. she wrote about some of their issues with reopening because they faced um, some problems around their agreement with UVic. So that was a deep dive that was a campus deep dive that really matters. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Mary's uh, article on grading, again, another example of not only how has this changed during COVID with the pass-fail, but also how has it changed before yeah. that and what are we looking at in terms of the post-secondary industry going forward and how people are graded and what an A means mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, I think that Alec has done a great job of keeping up with the with the COVID news Mm -hmm. and also reporting on the unhoused community he continues to do that but yeah he wrote an article on this issue that i just read about the covid19 updates and just providing that really clear information to Mm -hmm. people is really important um and then chris has delved into the culture side of things that's been so lost in other local media's coverage of the pandemic so chris wrote about logan's closing down he wrote about um herman's Mm -hmm. jazz club yeah mj has a story coming out that i can't talk about yet that is (laughs) unreal and he's been working on it for so long so i'll I'll say that one but like it's not really an answer um and then mj also got the i have to give him credit for getting the story on the parties at the beginning of the semester because that was a martlet like breaking news thing Mm -hmm. that 
only he kind of had access to and yeah. got a hold of. And also, like, risked a lot to be in those crowds that were very unsafe yeah. <laughs> to get that message out and get it on the public record. Um, so, and then, yeah, Boston, again, has an ongoing project that will be amazing. Um, okay, Boston's piece on the Ferry Creek mm-hmm. blockades was excellent because now, looking back on that, those blockades have become such a big story in mm-hmm. B.C. that the fact that we have record of where it was at in September, when it was just starting off, yeah. is something, I think, really excellent that the Martlets kind of added. Okay. Allie just joined our team last semester, mm-hmm. so I haven't seen as much of her writing. But she has written two pieces, one in this issue, one in a previous issue, Um, that have been, again, those explanatory pieces that are super important that people have the information Mm -hmm. about. So it was just the five-year anniversary of the overdose crisis in BC. She wrote a huge piece about where to get your drugs checked, Mm -hmm. which is so crucial. And even in that piece, she was like, information on their website doesn't match what they told me when I called. So Mm. having people know what's up is really important. Um, And then also she wrote a piece about birth control options. So again, same kind of thing. Really Mm -hmm. important for people to know that information. Yeah. Yeah. That's all great. Um, And do you have any like big hopes or goals going into next year or any takeaways from, you know, (laughs) a fun year in the pandemic? (laughs) Yeah. You say that sarcastically, but I think it has been fun. Like we have made the most of it Mm -hmm. at the Martlet. Um, in terms of my hopes and goals and dreams, uh, I have, I have so many for the Bartlett. Yeah. First of all, I would echo what I said earlier that we really need to focus in on connecting with students online and growing our presence online and making our website more accessible. That's a big thing. Also, I think that by virtue of being online, we've lost some of our connections with the community groups at UVic and also because we've been reporting on kind of more large-scale mm-hmm. issues. So I'd like to tap into that more over the summer and, and connect with people more on campus. So um, also, again, by virtue of us being online, I think we've lost some of those volunteers that we would have had in the past. So I am looking to set up some ways for people to get involved with the Martlet. Right that don't require them to come into the office, which was the case in the past, and kind of encouraging more people that maybe don't have as much experience in media Mm -hmm. or wouldn't normally put their hand up to volunteer for the Martlet to get involved with us. Um, Mentoring and co-writing stories is a big part of that this year, so I definitely want that to continue. Um, And then I'm also... I'm. I've been thinking so much this year about the role of journalism. Mm -hmm. I think... COVID has shown us how much misinformation there is out there, how toxic that can be. So looking forward, I mean, as much as I would love to do in a more passion project stories that are deep into these cool segments of, of campus or whatever, um, I think one of our main roles will just be explaining what's happening in mm-hmm. students' worlds. Yeah. So ensuring that people get that information and that it's displayed in a clear way has been something that I've been thinking a lot about and also trying to do through like Instagram sliders and more Mm -hmm. creative ways that aren't just articles. I think the reality and the hard like pill to swallow is that young people aren't necessarily reading articles. Yeah. Yeah. So that means we need to say, okay, 
yes, of course, we're a newspaper. We're going to produce articles. That's our main role. But I think people are also looking to us and have been looking to us as just a source of information. Mm-hmm. So I want to continue to being that source that takes everything that's going on at UVic that might be relevant to students and saying, okay, here you go. Mm-hmm. Here it is, packaged up for you. Here's what you need to know. And yeah. then building off there with other stories. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, is there anything you think we've missed today? Are you... Yeah, no, I don't have I don't have anything else to say. I think I said this already like lots, but uh of course I do wanna thank our amazing staff, amazing volunteers, and everyone in the community that has continued to support us throughout this year and continue to read our stuff. But also, but also, I recognize that I, as much as I can talk about my goals and dreams for the, for the Martlet, I don't think I have a hold on exactly what the Martlet should look like going forward because I'm not an outside reader. So mm-hmm. I'd really welcome those perspectives from people. I'm probably going to make like a cute little Google form that people can fill out and send yeah. me stuff. But my email is always open as well. And I love hearing from people. So Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thank you for having me on for the last episode of Uh, Volume 73. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. So yeah, it's been an honor. women's rowing coach Barney Williams has resigned in a mutual agreement after at least 17 individuals have formally complained or spoke out to the press since 2019. Williams was hired back in July 2018, and abuse allegations began to surface in September. Athletes allege that they are forced to train when injured or sick, pitted against teammates, publicly berated, and suffered aggravated mental health issues. Williams was placed on temporary leave after one rower, Lily Copeland, had filed a formal complaint with both UVic's Equity and Human Resources and Rowing Canada, but returned in fall of 2019. Copeland is also currently involved in a lawsuit against Williams as well as UVic for negligence. Over 60 Vikes rowing alumni signed a letter in May 2020 for the university to take more action against Williams. Williams maintains that he did not view his coaching style as inappropriate and denies many of the allegations against him. For this most recent decision, Director of Varsity Performance Sports Nick Clark stated that the focus going forward will be ensuring student-athletes are supported. Spokes, the bike upcycling and loan center here at campus, locked up its repair cage when the campus shut down, way back in March. And now, despite having an approved safe work plan, they remain closed. Spokes has loaned thousands of bikes out to students and staff since they opened in 2003. For 40 bucks, anyone registered at UVic can loan a bike and lock. They also usually have about 25 to 30 volunteers working for them. While they do have a bank account with the UVSS and a partnership with UVic Sustainability Project, they are financially self-sufficient and, generally, a mainly independent nonprofit. 
Volunteers like Mikhail Jensen spent hours creating COVID-safe environments back in September that were deemed compliant with safety measures. However, they have yet to get approval from their supervising department, the Office of Campus Planning and Sustainability. Students contact us all the time saying, hey, are you open yet? And I say, I don't know. I was open for next week. I was open for next week back in June. The issue is, is that the OCPS has requested that they now have affiliation with the university, something never asked of the project before. Well, then the university said that, oh, well, that's good that you got approval. Now we're going to need you to show that you have an affiliation with the university and we want to see that you have insurance because uh, for liability reasons, they were starting to get worried about us being uh, being covered if something happened to the bikes that we lent out. The lack of approval mainly comes from the fact that the university was not aware until recently that Spokes was not obtaining third-party liability insurance. And in March, the UVSS determined that Spokes doesn't fit in their existing insurance structure. This means either becoming a UVSS club or allowing the OCPS to absorb them. I've come around and many other volunteers, I think all of the volunteers, frankly, have come around that all we want to do is make sure that students get bikes. Four UVic students have created a petition to rename Trudge Street here in Victoria. And they'll be presenting their petition to city councillors on April 22nd. This started as a group project in James Rao's Environmental Studies 407 course, Mindfulness, Sustainability, and Social Change. The students are passionate about the processes of decolonization and hope to change it due to its namesake, Joseph Trutch. He served as Chief Commissioner of Land and Works in the 1960s and during that time claimed that Indigenous people lacked a right to their traditional territories. His policies reduced the Indigenous-owned land often to 10% of its original size and prevented Indigenous people from renting spare land to European settlers for farming. One supporter, Professor Reuben Rose Redwood, says that the political will of the local city councillors will be the determinant on whether the petition goes forward. Well, that's the episode. Thank you for listening. And thank you so much to everyone who came on the podcast this year, everyone who listened in, and of course, to CFUV for letting me use your studios. I've had such a fun time making these podcasts and just kind of keeping everyone informed on the news. So I hope that anyone who listened also enjoyed it. And of course, as always, to read more on the stories I mentioned here or to check out the rest of the latest issue, make sure to head over to martlet.ca or pick up a copy for free. To name just a few of the places you can find our news boxes is around the UVic campus, on Cook Street near Prima Strada, and at the intersection of Fort and Blanchard. The Martlet Pod is recorded in the studios of CFUV. Make sure to check them out at cfuv.ca. I'm Laura Smith.